Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Destroy hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's 43-42 loss at the hands of the Utah Utes at Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City. We're going to give you our reactions and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on social media at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. Our email address is Troy at fansire.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host, Elisa Deratol. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, they, there's a saying in college football, Alicia. There's a saying, good teams win, <laughs> great teams cover. SC got a big victory tonight <laughs> in Las Vegas. They they got the cover. If you picked SC to win, um, you won your bet. Uh, oh, yeah. did you want them to win a football game? Football game didn't happen, but they 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 won their bet. I mean, that's a a, a moral victory if I ever heard one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If if you're just joining us and we are here live on YouTube, welcome in the chat, everyone. But your your thoughts about the heartbreaking loss uh to the Utes in in the comments and join us along. Um SC um loses a one-point game in which Utah scores with 48 seconds to go, down seven, to pull within a point pending a PAT. Kyle Whittingham has the option to go for two, and he does. He goes for two in the win, a move that you usually see on the road um, when you're backed up and and you uh, don't necessarily feel like you are in a position, um, you know, to to hang to hang with it for the long term. You go for two. When you're the underdog, you go for two. Kyle Whittingham rolls the dice at home. They go for two. SC cannot stop two straight goal line plays. Uh, inside the two-yard line, Utah gets the, the, the touchdown followed by the two-point conversion, goes up 43-42. SC then has a desperation drive and can't put it together. It's a 
always was going to be a low percentage chance, and it didn't come through SC's way. Uh, but it was a wild 43-42 game. For real, what are your thoughts? Um, hmm. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood because I've had people all night saying, well, you picked Utah, so aren't you happy that the refs are screwing USC over? You picked Utah, so aren't you happy that this result came that way? And I'm quite annoyed at these comments by now. I'm really annoyed at the people who have accused us of being overly negative for the entire season. I'm really annoyed at everything right now. Because guess what? We told you it would be hard to win in Salt Lake City. I picked USC to lose this game because it is hard to win in Salt Lake City. Not because I wanted USC to lose. Not because I was rooting for Utah. Not because I had money on Utah. I do not gamble. I am way too cheap to do that. Not because of anything like that. I picked because it is hard to win in Salt Lake City. And guess what? It is freaking hard to win in Salt Lake City when you're playing a Utah team coached by Kyle Whittingham, when you're playing a team that has a Dalton Kincaid, when you're playing a team that is wearing helmets featuring teammates who were killed and are fired up by a crowd that is on it. It is hard to win in elevation. It is very, very difficult to do all of those things. And you know why I'm most pissed off right now, Michael? Why is that? Not because people on Twitter or the chat are didn't annoying. Didn't hit the over on the, on the rushing yards? Not because USC didn't win, hit the over on the rushing yards. Yeah. Not because Travis Dye got 11 freaking carries in this game. Not because Lincoln Riley didn't listen to a word I said before the game. Because apparently he consults me. People accuse us of, of, of consulting me. Not all that kind of stuff. But because it is extremely, extremely hard to win in Salt Lake City. Especially when you lose Jordan Addison. Especially when you lose Eric Gentry. It is so very hard to, lose, to, to win in Salt Lake City. And the refs made it that much harder. I am furious on behalf of USC. The players that were out there about the refs that we're doing. I am doing it, and you are not going to stop me. (laughs) The players that were out there fought their asses off. I will not hear a word against the players who were out there putting their bodies on the line on offense, on defense, everywhere. They were putting their bodies on the line. They were doing the best they could, from what I could tell. They were doing the best they could. And yet, if you laid a finger on Cam Rising a mobile quarterback who can burn you with his legs, who can get a playoff at any moment in a game, who you have to play to the whistle to. If you put a hand on that man, it's a roughing the passer. 14 points in this game were directly the result of the most bullshit roughing the passer calls that you will see all season because you cannot put a hand on Cam Rising because you cannot rush the quarterback. 14 points in this game. And let's even be generous to Utah. Let's say they go forward on fourth down on one of those and they get seven points. It was a one-point game. It changed the game. And it wasn't just that because there are a lot of reasons why. uh, Yes, and, and there's stuff going on in the chat. Do not, under any circumstances, reference Ty Jordan 
or uh, or or Aaron Lowe in a less than respectful manner. We will not allow that in any way, shape, or form. This is football. Stop it. Yeah. But back to the thing. The Pac-12 refs don't realize it's football, apparently, because they do not accept that you sometimes need to put your hands on a quarterback because you're trying to get to that quarterback who can make a play in the last second and gets a throw off and you you put your hands on him and suddenly they get new downs. Suddenly they get to go score points. But it's not just that. Because if it was just that, it would feel like, oh, the, the game was rigged or whatever. I don't think the game was rigged. I think Pac-12 refs are terrible at their jobs. And it's not just affecting USC. It's affecting the entire game. It affected Utah. USC got a chance at the end of this game because the refs screwed up the the clock. Uh, uh, Utah had situations where they lost the momentum of the crowd because the refs didn't know what the hell they were doing with the clock or the downs or the penalties or whatever. There was a penalty on every other play. It ruined the flow of the game. The refs are terrible, terrible. They ruin the game. And it's not just about the outcome of USC winning or Utah winning or whatever it is. They are bad at their jobs. And it infuriates me to have to watch games like this every single year that are unwatchable as a result of the the laundry that gets thrown out the field, of the not knowing uh, you know, should, do we need to review a play even though there was zero instance of targeting and there was never a question of whether he dropped the ball? Like, do we need to not review the play where Caleb Williams doesn't step out of bounds when he's throwing the ball away and probably should have been, shouldn't have lost those yards? We, it's just the ineptness of it all that infuriates me. I should be on here talking about whether or not USC tactically managed this game right. Did they? I don't think so in every in every aspect. But instead. My first thought, the first thing I wanted to talk to talk about was how these refs are bad at their jobs. They've ruined games. They they change outcomes of games. And it is infuriating to watch a sport. Sports are supposed to be where you even the playing field. You have a set of rules and you go out there and play it. And then you live with what you do. But we can't have that because, because reasons. Because Pac-12 refs. That's, I'm just, I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm fired up. I am offended on behalf of USC's players who went out there and genuinely fought and proved to me that they aren't ready for the big time, but that's okay because I didn't think they were anyways. So, like, I'm not even mad about the loss in the sense of this is probably a good thing because this means USC doesn't go to the playoff which is probably a good thing, but uh, I don't think they're ready okay. for the playoffs. I, I got to step in there. This, okay, you want my honest <laughs> Go for it. I'm sorry. I've, I've no, monopolized. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's good that you go off. You're the reason people listen on CarCast. You, you, need, to, you need to go off. And I'm only stepping in because you, you, you said that this eliminates them from the playoff. I mean, well, it doesn't it does. necessarily, but it, it makes it harder to get to the playoff, and that's probably a no, good thing in my no, opinion. See, this was the best loss that SC could have imagined. I mean, yes. If you're fair. going to lose a game, yeah. this is the exact loss that you have. A loss in which, if you're a voter, you can say, hey, I watched that game. That was an absolute ref show. The refs didn't know what they were doing on either side of the ball um, for either team. And, you, you know, both sides can walk away and feel absolutely frustrated with how that game was officiated anything. SC loses by one point. One point. 
because Kyle Whittingham went for two out of pure fear that he knew that he couldn't keep up the pace with USC's offense. The game went down to one, one play. Like, I, I put on Twitter that that was an insane move for him to do, and mostly because you just never see teams do that at home. You, 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 you never see teams who are favored to win the game do that at home. Do you, um, do you disagree rea- with? Uh, do you disagree with the? I mean, do you agree with the call? I mean, I take mean, take out the fact that they got it because that obviously. I, w- I would not have gone for mean. two. No, I would have I, not gone for two at home. I also wouldn't have gone for two, but I don't think it was the wrong decision by any stretch. Yeah, was, I mean, they, because, they got it and they won the game. But to go yeah. to go back to my point here, it's a one point loss. Um, SC loses the game because their offense is too potent and, and Utah goes for two out of fear of that offense. Yeah. Um, we, we talk about Caleb Williams. Um, we, had, we had mentioned that, you know, he had struggled at the Oregon state game. He, uh, he had struggled for a couple of weeks in different parts of the game. Obviously the ASU game, he made crazy play after crazy play, but there were different areas in which the offense has struggled. Um, yes, we can say that, that 11 carries for Travis die was not enough, but I'm sorry. They score. They <laughs> SD gained 556 yards of total offense. I'm going to uh, push Caleb back. Williams threw for 381 yards and five TDs, no picks at Utah. I'm not going to bitch about the, offense. no, Caleb was really, really good. He but was I, incredible. I, I do. But, I, but there's an on, argument. There's on, an hold, argument hold, for hold protecting the defense a little bit more. Hold, hold on. So, you put all these things in together, and if you're a voter, you're watching this game and that you know that that Eric Gentry left, you know that Jordan Addison left with an injury. Mm-hmm. This was the only game worth watching tonight. Um, on that two-point conversion, Brandon Peely left the game. Yeah, Brandon Peely goes before. out. Yeah, all these all these things. All these things. And SC loses by a point. Uh in a in a game in which, yeah, you talk about the ref show and all those things. If you are a voter, I don't think you look at this for a second and think that this is an elimination game for USC at all. Everything is still in front of SC to do whatever the hell they want to do. Um, I, I don't want to use a Heltonism, but they still control their own destiny <laughs> in the Pac-12. Um, no, y- yes, um, it, it's it's a frustrating loss for USC, a, a game in which uh, you, you saw them, you know, run run out there with 21 points in the first half, um, and all of that. Um, and you look at all the offensive performance, and you go like, "How do you, you know, gain 556 yards and lose?" Um, I get that. I get all of those things. And Dalton Kincaid, how could they allow Dalton Kincaid to go? Geez, he had 15 catches. Yeah. Okay, 15 catches for 217 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Utterly insane. Like, uh, just give the dude the, the Mackey Award. That's like, my that's my wet dream. Like, like Utah is living what I, like, that's, in, I wish. In, insane. So, yes, I get all of those things. But the, the reality of the situation is, um, SC doesn't have to play Oregon. They play UCLA at the end of the season. This was the game I expected to happen against UCLA, by the way. Uh, the track yeah. meet at the end that, that, which is kind of whoever has the ball uh, in, the, in the last minute to score and the last minute wins. Kind of what I expect to happen at UCLA it happens at Utah. And you're, you're six and one through the first seven games of, of year one with that loss being a one point loss to Utah. If you asked anybody in their right mind in August, if you'd take this, you'd say yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm not going to sit here and say that SC season is ruined. Um, this isn't 2003. It's no longer a situation where one game eliminates you 
Um, as much as we love college football and the every week matters aspect, uh, it matters slightly less than it did before. And a one week loss, I mean, a one point loss and a two point conversion. No, that's not an eliminator. I, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, especially, well, and I'm going to be curious to see how the polls react to USC. Not that the polls matter, but you are right in that back then the polls did matter and the voters did matter. And if they weren't paying attention to how this game came about, that could really hurt you. Where the college football playoff committee, they are supposed to look at the details of the games. And if they do look at this right. game, if they do watch this game, they'll get a much better understanding of how this all went down. Um, I do still think that if we're going to, let's just have the playoff conversation. Well, I mean, I the think, reality is that I don't think the playoff necessarily matters. I'm no. just saying that this wasn't an eliminator. No, because you still control your own destiny. You still have to go out and win the rest of your games. You still have to go out and win the Pac-12. Yeah, I'm more and, concerned about the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, well, because like you said, if you're UCLA, you're rubbing your hands together watching this game, knowing that your UCLA offense can do to USC exactly what uh, what this Utah uh, offense was able to do to this right. USC defense. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm I'm a little bit frustrated because we have known this entire season that the defense is at a disadvantage. And they were certainly at a disadvantage in this game. They literally don't have somebody who can cover Kincaid. Not that a lot of teams do, but they literally don't have somebody who can cover Kinc who can cover Kincaid. And it's not like Utah doesn't have weapons. So, yes, you can double-team Kincaid. You should probably cover him a lot closer than USC did. Yeah. But that's not to say that, like, Vele couldn't murder you in this game, too. Like, that's entirely possible. You couldn't get beat by any other of their weapons in this in this attack. This is a good offense. Um, that was just going to be an issue. You never want to see somebody beat you the way that Kincaid has beaten you. But that doesn't mean you you, if you go all out to stop Kincaid, that suddenly you're not going to get burned by somebody else. Like, that just happens. This is where I'm on the offense. Because, and yes, it is incredible. Caleb Williams was incredible in this game. He was Superman mm -hmm. in this game. He was five touchdowns, 60% completion. He was everything you, you want from him. I thought that Caleb Williams was a star. The problem I have is that we talked about before the, the game. We didn't want Caleb Williams to have to be Superman in this game. Utah's rush defense was porous throughout the season. Right. And USC had somebody like Travis Dye who they could lean on. And we knew that USC's pass protection had been a little bit struggle bussy and that USC's run blocking had not been. And so to me, the issue is that USC let this turn into a track meet instead of taking control of the game and handing the ball to Travis Dye, buying their defense some time, limiting possessions on the other side because at a certain point it became very clear that they were not going to stop Kincaid. They were just not going to. So how do you deal with that? You do the old Stanford thing. You just you just hold on to the ball for the rest of the game. You just run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And and I and genuinely I do think USC would have been better served swapping some of those passing touchdowns, swapping some of those passing yards. And I know it doesn't work that way. But in terms of game management, if they had leaned on the run earlier, the game probably plays out different. Now, what, what did we talk about, though, on, on Wednesday in the preview? We, we said that one of the things SC needed to do was take what the defense gives them. The defense was – the Utah defense had the cushiest zone of all time. Brock Hewitt talked about it literally all night. And replay after replay had those receivers wide open. 
if the defense has given you that, you take it. Yeah, but the and, and I know was- that we can we can sit back here and say yes, they should have run the ball more, and you know maybe that changes those two drives in the second quarter where uh, they don't end up with points, and you can which is where the game got away. We, that's where Utah came back into the game. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Well, um, Utah basically from the roughing the passer and onward in the set in the first half. That's USC's offense contributes by not getting points where they needed to. Right, but I I think I just go back to we talked about not wanting USC to have to put um, Caleb Williams in a situation where he has to be Superman, and that was because of the Oregon State game. And because he struggled in that game, and because of the Washington State game too, the 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 passing game wasn't uh, at its best. He threw for what 180 yards last week or whenever it was, um, and we have not seen the offense be explosive uh, since the first three weeks of the year, and really the first six quarters. The the Rice game and the Stanford game were the was, was when SC was the most explosive. We saw that again tonight. SC took advantage of the defense that Utah gave them. Caleb Williams was Superman, and he was fine being Superman. Five touchdowns, no turnovers, no, none of that. Um, yes, I, I get it that SC had trouble in pass protection, and that continues to be an issue. And if they run the ball more, uh, yeah, maybe they score on every drive instead of most of the drives, and maybe they score 60 points instead of 42. But, like, do you realize what we're saying? That Like, Scoring 60 points would have been better than scoring 40. They scored 42 on the road at Rice Eccles. Yes. Like, but I, I, I don't know. How, why are we talking about the offense Because here? they are capable of scoring 60 points. And and because this is a defense that we talked about in the in the beginning of the – I mean, before even before the season. There was going to be a game where Alex Grinch's defense gave up 43 points. And right. what did USC's offense need to do? They needed to score 44. Yes, they needed absolutely. to score fifty, yes. and and this is well. What is the difference between USC being a seven and O team and a six and O team? You can't fix this defense right now, for sure. I, I, that's I'm not. I, obviously, the defense is why USC lost this game. Obviously, that's the bigger issue. Um, the the refs making it even harder for the defense to get a stop certainly is a is a factor here. But the defense not being able to get a stop, not being able to get that that two-point conversion stop absolutely is why USC lost. But we knew this season, if it was going to be, if USC was going to have to keep winning, it was going to have to be on the strength of the offense being above. And they weren't. 42 points was not good enough in this game. They were scape- They were capable of scoring 50. Yes, but like, I, I'm... They, they lost know. because their offense was so good. If the offense wasn't so good, Utah doesn't go for two. Well, but like, if the offense, you know what was, I mean, if and the offense had been but you, better. You, you talk about like they should have taken the air out of the ball because of, because yes. Dalton Kincaid is beating you up. Like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Take the SC air out of the ball. Finally, was scoring offensive drives that were under two minutes. Yeah, but I don't want under two minute drives when Dalton Kincaid is destroying my defense. You have. Okay, he was he got hurt in the third quarter, but you have Jordan Addison, you have Mario Williams, you have Travis Dye. Yeah, but you, you were have all these dudes. Travis Dye. They have one Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. If you put man to man in terms of offensive playmakers, SC is winning that battle. That's literally why Kyle Whitney went for two. But they didn't win that battle. That's my point. Because it, they didn't stop a two point conversion. No, because the offense didn't score when they needed them to score. 
Because okay. the offense had false starts and they had um, uh, holding penalties and all of this kind of stuff because the offense yeah. didn't run the ball because the offense, they didn't score 50. They, USC needed this offense to score 50. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I, they needed this defense to not give up 43. Yes, that too. No, I, I get that. But I, who I, is more capable of 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 completing that task? If who, I ask who is you, more capable? USC's is, offense scoring 50 or the defense holding them to 10? Is, is that well, the question? No. Who was more capable, it, the defense holding Utah to 35 or USC's offense scoring 50? Well, I, I don't... I, I I vote for the the offense needed to be the ones who stepped up and made up for it, the and they didn't. Defense forces a turnover on a bad roughing the pa- pa- passer call. That's seven points that w- wouldn't have been there. Yes, that's my yes. Which is why I started this entire the final podcast. Drive had those ranting about the refs. That SC gets a third down stop that's taken away from a bad roughing the passer call. Yes. Like the defense made stops. Yes. That were taken off the board. And yes. We're, and we're bitching about 42 points not being enough. Did you not hear the first 10 minutes of this podcast no, where I, I was bitching about the refs stealing this game from USC's players and how angry that made me? I, I, like, I don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I'm not like blaming anybody for this, for this loss, except for the refs taking 14 points and giving them to, to Utah. And that's why Utah won. I'm fully willing to make that assessment because that's to me, the, what, what this game ultimately come down to. But once those points were put on the board, once the handicap was given to, I, I just to don't Utah, think... who needed to then step up and make up for it because the defense was incapable of doing it. They gave up that two point conversion. Well, guess what you needed? You needed to score 50 points in this game. You didn't score 50 points in this game. You lost. That's just the way the, the 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 cookie crumbles. I think that USC missed the mark by not running the ball more. I know that the the offense is so potent, and you can't complain when Caleb Williams goes goes five touchdowns, zero interceptions. You really can't right. complain. I don't. I didn't want him to have to score five touchdowns. No, I get that. Like I said, I think they absolutely should have run the ball more. And yeah, if they run the ball more, maybe those two drives in the second quarter. Uh, pan out differently, and SC is able to score more in that first half and put this game out of reach. Thoroughly, I I thoroughly agree. I I just you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nitpick this offense when when they just went there and put 556 yards on on Utah like on the road in a hostile environment where they're wearing helmets to honor their their fallen brothers. Man, like I we talk about all those things at the beginning. And it's this hard. was always going to be a difficult spot. And SC absolutely answered the bell. Yes. They did those things. They made third down stops um, that didn't go their way with, with the penalties. And yes, absolutely. Ab- SC absolutely struggled, had no answer to, to defend Dalton Kincaid. Uh, it wasn't going to be Shane Lee. Uh, it wasn't going to be Makai Blackman at one point. Um, it wasn't going to be anybody. No one, nobody could stop him. And that's a problem. And going up against UCLA later in the season uh, is going to be terrifying because SC's offense will need to be, if this is the same defensive performance that shows up against UCLA, then yes, the offense will need to be perfect, literally, for SC to win that game. But this is also why we talked about how this this was a 9-3, a 10-2 kind of season because you were always going to have this game yeah. where you needed perfection from the offense. 
And is it fair to ask for perfection from an offense that put up 42 points? I, I think just, that's a perfectly, I think that's a perfectly fair question. Um, right. It's just, that's the reality of the situation in order to I'm stay just, undefeated. You needed a perfect offense. You didn't get a perfect offense. And that's, I'm not mad I, about the offense. I'm, I'm, I, I would have preferred to see Travis die, carry the game instead of Caleb Williams. That's just my preference. And I think it might've made an ultimate difference in the end. But am I sure of that? I don't know. Utah could have stacked the box and Dai could have gotten hurt himself. And then, you know, where would you be? I don't know. It's, it's. Yeah. You're, you're sort of, I mean, it's a, we both agree though, right? It's a tough loss. There's no shame in the loss. Right. It's a tough loss. It's, it's what happens to teams. No team is perfect. Um, and this team certainly is not perfect. We knew that from the get go. But that's th- there were always going to be limitations on this team. They weren't. They're not the finished sure. article. The defense is not the finished article. And yeah. w- which is which is why for me, I, I have a hard time saying that 556 yards of offense uh, isn't good enough. That it needs to be even perfecter. And I know what you mean I mean, by, by, by I, being perfect or by scoring literally on every drive. 500 which, yards of offense is not points. Like it's, no, I get yes, I I get that. But like the there were what two punts in this game. I see punted twice and had a fourth down missed opportunity. So three drives they, they didn't get points on. The timing that the defense managed to get stops in some of these games had been really, really critical. It was all about the timing. Mm-hmm. And that, SC does get the big turnover. There. USC that, that gets the huge. turnover yeah. and then they don't get the points afterwards. To I, me, that was timing that was all wrong. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't 
don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Um, Thomas C says, what does accountability look like for referees in college football? How are they evaluated and what are the ramifications? I, I, I don't know that we the, have a serious answer for that. I, I have I think a serious that, answer. Just that it doesn't happen? No, the conferences internally evaluate and they grade their right. um, they grade their crews. And yeah, then but those, what does that mean? Well, it means nothing for the for the purposes of players and, and fans and everything like that, because there's no there's no. There's no forward accountability. There is behind the scenes accountability, but then they keep employing these people. So, you know, what does it mean? It, 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 there really is none it, that we can measure or see. It's all mm-hmm. in the background. So who knows? They can just be, you know, and, and this is something that you've pointed out. And, and maybe this is just something that we have to live with. One of the frustrating things about Pactual Rest is that, like, if it wasn't coming down from the top of the conference, we would see them not make the calls that they do, but they continually make the calls that they do. So like it's coming from the top of the conference that they don't want you to put your hands on a quarterback. And then the next question is from SJ, Michael, why are you a Pac-12 ref apologist? It's not that I'm a Pac-12 ref apologist. I get frustrated with talking about Pac-12 refs as being the problem versus any sort of ref. Cause I think that, we watched a lot of the games today. That you watched. Did anyone the, watch the Alabama Tennessee game? Because yeah, Alabama fans n- thought that the ten- none the- of those passer uh, reverend the passer calls, by the way, would have been called in the SEC. No, absolutely not. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, like but, like they're not calling anything. They in missed the SEC. a blatant target. Right. Calling nothing is yeah. does like I get that calling everything is very frustrating. I think that it's wrong that the Pac-12 does that. Because I think one of the things that they rely on is calling everything and then allowing uh, the review to bail them out about things like with targeting. That works for a fumble. If the ball is live, call it a fumble and let's review it and let's see if someone's knees down and review it and make sure you get the right call and and whatever. Yes. Uh, Bias towards the fumble, right? Bias towards the fumble because you can always review that and, and bring it back but you bring it back because you're allowed to do that with the review with a targeting call. For instance, if it's not targeting, it's still a penalty. So like I understand. And like the one that was on, on Stanley T I get it. Like in, and watching that live that looked like targeting that looked like a scary hit and that he led with the helmet and all that stuff. I get, I, yes, I, I, I get it. But you review it and it's not, but the penalty's still there. And those are the rules. Right. Yeah. But my my issue in more so is with things like roughing the passer, where it's the Pac-12's interpretation of everything is just so much more literal than any other conference. And you see this with penalties up and down the field on b- both sides of the ball for everybody in the conference. And every team in the conference is way down in the in the in the rankings of the the penalties, because you put a finger on a quarterback and it's called. And like Brock, you were talked about tonight. Like that was never called until the last five, 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Our, Our interpretations of what roughing the passer is, has changed. And mind you, the NFL has this issue. There was that, that Grady Jarrett 
you know, roughing the passer on on Tom Brady. But like that was called because they thought that he they threw him to the, threw him to the turf, right? And I can understand an issue of they're like, well, we want to eliminate quarterbacks being thrown to the turf. Like if there's a specific thing about this is the thing that people want to eliminate. But the those things are that's not how the Pac-12 refs are calling pass interference. I mean, uh, roughing the passer. The roughing the passer calls are as soon as the ball's relieved, he's de- he's defenseless, and at that point. You have to defy gravity not to hit him. Yes. And like, that's not realistic. No. I, I think that in a lot of these, uh, the, the first one, right? The the first one that took away the the interception, I think that was I think that was the one where I'm I'm watching it. I'm like, yes, I can understand theoretically, you could say that yes, he could he could have changed his body to not hit him as hard as he did, but he was still probably gonna touch him at some point. So if the rule is that you just are going to touch him anyways, then, then like I I don't know what I how how do you how do you do roughing the passer then like like period yeah. that even if you get close at that point if you're a quarterback should you just throw it all the time and then if anyone gets close to you so that way you can get the penalty like yes I I I don't know and I I do not like talking about you know penalties because they tend to and not because I'm an apologist of the refs. But because usually penalties work out both ways. Like we talk about this, but like last week there was Washington State fans like up in arms about the the late hit that was on Solomon Bird, right? Um, and how that went SC's way um, with the targeting call and and, and all these like these things balance out from game to game. And so like that's where I'm apprehensive of talking about the refs tonight, though. A completely different situation because it was a smorgasbord of things that were wrong. There were crazy roughing the passing penalties. There was the timing stuff in the first half and the second half, like incompetent ev- management of the game. Everything yeah. was was completely off. And and to go back to Thomas's question about like what is the you know what is the scrut the scrutiny there? And I I don't I don't know what it is because any anytime you get any sort of thing from the Pac-12, it's going to be you know buzzwords and whatnot because. They, I don't know that they can share those details either. It's no. it's not like baseball where they're like, well, they've got Quest Tech and they've got uh, Statcast and they've got this and they've got you know um, all these different things that can measure what um, what these measurables are. It's very difficult for like roughing the passer and all that stuff. And that, I, I although I, I, don't know. I mean, would it be worth it for the Pac-12 to? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they do to share that information on each crew with the coaching staff so that USC can spend the week warning their defensive, their, their defensive players. Like these guys call roughing the passer very liberally. So go for it. Like know, know what you're getting into, or these guys are very quick to call pass interference. Be it handsy. So be aware of that or, or whatever, you know, cause I don't know. That's just a, a, I, I don't know. I, the refs suck. Refs in every sport and every league suck. That's just it. Just well, sucks. yes, and every team, every fan is going to think that their team is wrong more than anyone. I mean, yeah. There's comments in the chat. Mar- Marcelo saying that yeah, these things don't balance out because it didn't balance out tonight. Yeah, maybe it doesn't balance out tonight. Sure. Yes, I get it. I, I'm talking about less so about the the micro and the macro here. And the, and the usually these things tend to do balance out um, on the macro. James says, Michael, these historically things. Historically, these things don't equal out when it comes to USC. Uh, 
I, tonight's not the night for me to you know make this my hill. I mean, die USC on, like, has what gotten. Is, what what is the what is the historical evidence? It, there's no point in even arguing about whether or not things balance out because there's too many balances to to deal with to sure. even like work that out. It just sure just recognize that they the, suck the, for the, everybody and that everyone's going to get screwed at some point. And that doesn't justify getting screwed in this game because it sucks and it's going to impact the season for both these teams and the conference. And um, the Pac-12 is going to assign these refs to a game next week and they're probably going to keep making the same kind of calls because they suck. I don't know. Now, uh, you know, talking about penalties, um, on that last drive, uh, there there was a PI call on Makai Blackman. Not good. Um, you know, it, on a drive where you feel like everything is going against you, plenty I, of those. I, I understand the 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 feeling like you've got to just you know, uh, you got to make the most of every opportunity. But committing your own personal foul that is, I mean, or uh, sorry, pass interference that is very clearly a pass interference, like that's not helping anything. Either. Um, and you know, Makai Blackman made great plays earlier on in the game. So again, these things sort of balance out from a corner who's going to have. Great plays and, and and bad plays at the same time. Um, Eric says, can we get a rant of how the fans need to maintain perspective, optimism, and a positive outlook on this team? Yes. Go yes. There are people in the chat saying that the USC should fire Riley and Grinch and all this kind of stuff. Guys, it's year one. USC is six and one. It's year one. They have improved in literally every measure from last year and the previous regime. They are... This team is a team that battles to the end. Last year's team would have not even been in this game. And I know this isn't last year's team. They've added transfers and all that kind of stuff. But like this team is also a team that has Eric Gentry on one leg, literally on one leg, hopping out to the middle of the field to try and pump up his, his, uh, his, his players. You think that having him on this team for future seasons won't make a difference. It will. What we're seeing this year from Caleb Williams, the way he's fighting, from Mario Williams, the way that he made some catches in this game. I mean, do not under, like, four catches, 145 yards from Mario Williams. He was a beast in this game. These guys are all going to continue to be here to grow and to get better and to grow together and come together in a way that they that that we're already seeing them come together. They just, they're lacking that next level that'll get them to the point where they can not just compete in a game under these circumstances, but overcome and win in a game under these circumstances. But to expect this team to go from what they were last year, to bring in all of those transfers, bring in an entirely new coaching staff with new schemes on both sides of the ball, and then expect them to be able to be a perfect team that can contend with the best teams in the country seven games into the season, Mm -hmm. you are absolutely insane if you think that that uh, this team hasn't come way further than than anyone would have expected them to, and that we shouldn't look at this team with incredible optimism for the coming weeks and the coming years. There is so much optimism around this team, and this game was another example, like we've said, of of fight, of heart, of of want to, of 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 trying. And yeah, I mean, the defense. <laughs> The defense got burned on many, many occasions, but they also fought and they tried and they got, I mean, how cool was it to see uh, Tuasivi Namora make that stop at the goal line Yeah, to force the, the force those, those final two, the, plays, the yeah. final two plays in the first place. Like there are so many things that, that you can follow, 
Josh Follow emerging, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson getting his moment. Yeah. Like there is a lot of things to cling to to be positive and excited for the rest of the season. You can't win every game. You certainly won't win every game in Salt Lake City. And you're gonna have to fight through and learn and grow from these from these experiences. So th- to go if you can't the... be happy with a six and one start, I don't know what to tell you. Like I think you're gonna be miserable for your entire life. <laughs> so I, I keep thinking like SC won the Oregon State game. Probably shouldn't have. They lost this one. They probably should have. Uh, all told, they're six and one. Like, yeah, that's. Sounds about right. Like I, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like um, I I know that you know it's frustrating. You want to win anything that that's possible. I I thoroughly get yes. I'm yeah. disappointed. Yes, I, but this, like this felt winnable. The the grand macro thirty thousand foot view of this, like I I don't. A- Alex Grinch, people had you know, cast him to the, to the side after the Stanford game, um, and after the Fresno State game. And then the last three games, everyone raved about the defense. And all we did was talk about how good the defense was and forcing turnovers and negative plays and all those things. Um, and then this game happened. Uh, Alabama gave up 50-something points today, right? Like, this is college football. This is what happens. Um, and if I had to guess, I think that Alex Grinch's defense is probably going to bounce back with another couple, three weeks of really good play against you know lesser opponents. And then they're going to play UCLA again. And then they're probably going to give up a bunch of points again because it's what college football is. And especially for a team that isn't, isn't infallible and isn't perfect in year one of a regime change. But the fact that we can even suggest that they had the, the possibility of being perfect is a huge testament to Lincoln Riley, a huge testament to the situation that USC is in. So yes, I, th- I think that, we can absolutely should be critical of everything all the time because that's the standard that you need to to set. And when, when people talk about how SC uh, SC should win eleven games this year or whatever or twelve games, well then let's talk about them like as if they should and put the standard there so that way you know you can actually judge people accordingly. But at the same time, I doesn't I don't think that losing a one point game to Utah means you fire you fire the coach like <laughs> you know. Like, there's, there's gave less, you City. I just yeah. So we we got a few questions about the the last drive, um, and I thought this was interesting. Um, so, uh, right in lead says, why did Riley not use his timeouts on the last drive, and why did he slow the game down on the last USC scoring drive? Weird clock management. Uh, and then Jeff H says, um, this should have been a W. Call timeouts. What was your thought about Lincoln Riley calling a timeout after third down, but not second and goal? I didn't mind it. Um, I, my thinking is that if you can get away with not calling timeouts on defense, keep those timeouts for your offense, mm-hmm. especially if you're down by a, a, a margin that allows you to get a, a field goal. Yeah. The difference between having a timeout and not having a timeout in those situations is life and death. So I I agree with the preservation of those timeouts for the offense. Um, I also agree with them slowing down the tempo on their last scoring drive because, as I said, I think they should have been doing that all game. I think they should have been making it, uh, taking time off the clock and keeping Cam Rising and Dalton Kincaid off of the field for as long as they could 
giving their defense as much time to breathe yeah. as they could, especially you know in in altitude, especially just under the circumstances of the game. So I personally do not disagree with the way that Lincoln Riley managed the timeouts or the time or anything like that at the end of the game. I think it's a bit of a crapshoot because if you do call the timeouts and then you go out and, and you have your offense with a few more seconds on the, on the clock, maybe that does make the difference, but you also can't necessarily predict how the game was going to go. And maybe we see that offensive drive and think, man, if they had a timeout, it would have made a huge difference here. It's just, it's just very difficult to say, especially when the drive went the way that it did, especially when there was a false start and there were penalties and there was weird stuff that happened and there was that weird PI and the mm. interception and just the way it all went. It just was so weird. I don't know that we can pinpoint that as like a thing that directly contributed to whether or not this game was a win or a loss. So I, I go back and forth. I, I try. <laughs> My my stupid proxy of this is like, what would I do if I was playing Madden? Um, and I know that's not realistic, obviously. Um, I tend to think that if you get to first and goal defensively, defensively you have the ball, the other team has the ball, and you're on defense and there's first and goal in a situation like that, yeah, you got to start using your timeouts because you need to save time for you uh, once you get to a first and goal situation. However, I think there's a couple of things that I think that are – worrisome one if there's ever a pi that resets the downage i mean the sorry the yeah the downs so if there was a pi and you you're using all your timeouts then suddenly that all resets back to first down and you've got no timeouts yeah so i think you need to be conscious of that uh and there was a so it was like a i think a buck 20 with all three timeouts sc could have taken the timeouts there taken two timeouts and had we'll say We'll say a buck ten with one timeout left, or forty-eight seconds with two timeouts. To me, that's a coin flip. I don't think it's either way is necessarily wrong. I think the wrong thing would have been to not call any timeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, would have surely been wrong. Uh, yeah, the clock stops and all that stuff. But I, I'm sure that there's a chart that Lincoln Riley has that, you know is written out in this situation. I'm going to do this. And maybe he can talk. Maybe he talked about that in the post game. We haven't watched the post game. Um, so I don't know. I, I think in hindsight, you can look at it and say, yes, if SC had more time in, in terms of allowing Utah to score, you know, we can sit there and say that we always thought that, you know, uh, that Utah was going to score on, on some of these, like the, the pass interference drive and all that stuff, which was, um, that was the drive before, right? That was the, that was the drive before the tied at thirty five. Yes. Um, yeah. I again, I I think that's that's better said with with hindsight. And the I, thing I, is, we've seen we've seen this defense get the turnover at the goal line. Like we've seen them make that play. So it's I don't mind seeing if they can get that stop. They got they've gotten other stops. I don't know. Uh, it it again. It's the kind of thing where you could play it through 15 different times and get 15 different outcomes and whether or not you use the timeout or, or whatever, like maybe it would use it. Or I just, I just don't know. I don't know if that, if that. Uh... <laughs> Je- Jeff says the point is you don't know what's going to happen. So keep as much time as possible. No, I, I, yes. But you also and don't I know what's going to happen. So keep you can... your timeouts. Like it, goes both ways. I, I just, I can yeah, make the I, argument. It does help in college with the clock stopping. And I tend to think that 
if you call your timeouts earlier, then you can manage the rest of it how how you see fit. Um, but I know that coaches value a timeout so much more than more than I think that we at home do. Uh, because we're thinking about just the clock, and they're thinking about well, how can we draw up the perfect per- play? Yeah. In addition to all the clock stuff. Yeah. Um. So so that you know plays a factor, um, as well. Um, other stuff that we've we've highlighted. Poncho Cam says, "Run the ball!" Exclamation points. Yeah, I see. Absolutely, should have run the ball more. Travis Dye. We we in the over under. We're going to talk about that uh, over under more in on Monday's show, but. The the over under was twenty two and a half carries. He had eleven. Eleven. Eleven carries, seventy six yards. He averaged six point nine yards per carry. Yeah. Yeah. SC, you surely could have could have run the ball more. Um, I'm looking at now. Let's see the opportunity rate here on stat broadcast. I don't think. I so. don't think so. I don't think so. Power rushing was one for one, hundred percent. Run stuff. Only seven percent of USC's runs were 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 stuff. And this rushing is, success rate was fifty-seven percent. And this was my problem: is that a lot of what USC did had to be like a big chunk gain and an amazing play because they were being unsuccessful on on too many first downs. And I think you would have had more success if you had just said, "We're just going to run the ball on first down," even if it means. Three, four yards. Those three, four yards on first down can set you up for more. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to, uh, let's see. Can, uh, Eric says, can we hype up the unsigned players that, that did awesome things in this game? We talked about that. Follow uh, Jackson and Nomura absolutely stepped up when, when they needed to. Uh, they made the big plays, especially when um, Addison went down, Gentry went down, Peely went down at one point. I, I want to talk about Michael Jackson the third. That touchdown play I thought was great because not only do you see Lincoln Riley going, he's like on the side, practically on the field, and you you see him in the bottom of your TV, and he's signaling to, to Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is changing at the line. They're down to like three seconds on the play clock. I thought he was going to call a timeout. Does not call the timeout. Caleb Williams takes the snap, and they run that little screen, but watch Michael Jackson the third sell it. Not only does – he doesn't just do like a stutter step forward and, and come back for the screen. He takes like three harsh steps to literally throw his defender with momentum <laughs> away from the ball and slide back. It was incredible to watch him uh, pull that off. Like not only is this guy someone who has not seen the ball all season long um, and hasn't really seen the field, but he gets thrown in a huge spot to to run essentially a, a specialty play in the sense that this is a, an audible call to the line of scrimmage on a key moment, right? And it's going to him, and he does his job exactly the way you want to, and not only makes his man mix, um, but scores. That's exactly what you wanted from from him. And, and when you're in the game, it's more than what you would have asked for, right? When, when you're in the game late. Uh, not because of garbage time, but because you're just down that many bodies and you get your opportunity. All you can ask of a player like Michael Jackson is to to be there for their moment. And mm-hmm. he absolutely took his moment and ran with it straight into the end zone. That's literally like what you need to see from guys like that. Because now the next time USC is in a bind, the next time USC needs to play, they're yeah. going to know. Yeah. MJ3, 
he can get the job done for us. Caleb Williams will know I can send the ball his way. He's going to get the job done for us. Like that's incredibly important for a team too, to know that they're the guys that are buried on the depth chart can make that, uh, can make that impact. Yeah. Uh, Jeff H says smash that like button. Yeah. If you're, if you're watching the, the stream for the first time, be sure to subscribe. Uh, and we'll be back here on Monday talking about the, all the fallout from USC's loss to, to Utah on Monday, uh, along with this offseason. I mean, this week is a bye week. So we're going to look back at the first seven games of the season. It's really the halfway point for the Trojans this year. We're going to look back and um, kind of make some midway um, observations and all that. So if you subscribe, mm-hmm. you can join us on Monday and Wednesday for our next live stream uh, streams. Uh, and if you just like the video, that helps join the, uh, helps us grow the channel and all of that as well. A um, couple of questions, Alicia, about what you're drinking over there. Steven says, is Alicia drinking the hard stuff after this loss? White Claw? And then Eric Corpus says, is that Orange Crush or Fanta Orange? Uh, number one, White Claw is gross. All hard yes. seltzers are gross. Uh, um, uh, uh, let me correct you. All seltzers are gross. All seltzers are okay. gross. Yes, we can agree yes. with that. This is an orange Fanta with a bit of screwball whiskey in it. Hmm. I was told that screwball whiskey with an orange soda tastes a little bit like those orange chocolate uh, sort of hmm. chocolate bar things that are like an orange sure. that you get at Christmas. And so I'm trying it. It's very good. Have you ever had a, um, it's a, a Tootsie Roll shop? Um, I think I have. No, I've had I a Snickers say a, shot. A Tootsie Roll shot you make with orange juice. Oh, it's yeah. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's very similar. Well, there's a lot. There's actually a lot of like shots that you make that you put like, um, liqueur, or, like I, I fruity, orange juice, some sort of orange thing. Fruity liqueurs. Yeah. Like, um, what is it? Um, it's like Fram, Frambois or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, hey, hold on. Shout out before we get into other stuff. Kai, off topic, bought Dave's hot chicken because of y'all. 10 out of 10. Let's see some rot Dave, Dave's collabs meal and merch. <laughs> I I love it. Yes. Yes. We yes. almost got Dave's hot for, this for dinner. Picture this drum. Yeah. I, if, if Mr. Dave, if you're listening to us, um, Mr. Dave's hot, uh, Dave H. Chicken, I think that's his name, right? Um, who owns it? Yeah, just let us know. Email yeah. address random at fansite.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Um, okay, so Jordan says part of me thinks that this loss was necessary. I keep thinking about Travis Dye talking about this team not knowing what it feels like to lose. Maybe this is what we need to run the table. I well, so I've, I've been scrolling to my phone to see if there's um, an update on Jordan Addison or Eric Gentry or anything like that. And I just saw a tweet, so I haven't seen the um the post-game press conference, but I did see a tweet that seemed to quote Caleb Williams saying that he was making a guarantee that they'd go undefeated. So, you know, one of those Tebow moments. Um, I would tend to agree that losing doesn't always have to be the worst thing that happens to you in a season, especially when you lose this way on the road by one point, tough circumstances, all that kind of stuff. Losing can be something that rallies a team together. It can also break you apart. So you do ha- you do get both sides of that coin. Um, but losing can be a way that brings you together. It can make you stronger. Um, you do need to be able to learn from your mistakes. And you do need to sometimes have consequences for your mistakes that reminds you to stay on top of your stuff. Um, 
you know, maybe this was the wake-up call that the defense needed. Maybe they were getting a little bit too comfortable with their performances over the last few weeks, and um, this is the thing that wakes them up. Or maybe this is the thing that teaches Alex Grinch, like, yo, if the if the if the tight end is is doing that to you, you do need to have a plan. You do need to find your guys that you can rely on, and. That's the thing. Most college football teams, the vast majority of them every single year, lose. They do. Very, very few teams in college football don't lose a game in a season. It just doesn't happen. Um, So, yeah, you have to be able to respond to adversity. Teams that respond to adversity are the ones that win. Um, that's, That's just the reality. So we will see how this team responds to adversity and I want to see them do that. Yeah. I, how, how are they going to respond um, is a question. And is this the, the galvanizing points? Um, I, I think this team has already been galvanized. Uh, I mean, Jason Benetti talked about it on the, on the broadcast. We've talked about it before. This is a team of a whole bunch of transfers. Um, and from the outside, it'd be really easy to see that they're mercenaries and all that stuff. But no, they've, they've really come together, despite all of that stuff, um, to be one team. And so I, I don't know that they needed a galvanizing point, but if this helps, sure, go for it. If this, more than anything, is a wake-up call that, you know, they, they got to get better um, in trying to cover a... a talisman in the middle of the field like like Dalton Kincaid then sure yeah allow it to be the wake-up call or maybe the offense needs a wake-up call they've got to score 60 yeah. points sometimes. yeah because the offense is why they lost tonight. <laughs> exactly yeah um no but I do I do want to point out Tommy White in the chat says I was at the Sam Darnold breakout game in Salt Lake City and even though we lost at the very end the team responded very well yes that team lost that game that was a really uh big game that USC lost and they still they were able to turn around and, and run the table for the rest of the season. Um, the 2011 team lost to Stanford. Heartbreak, heartbreak. And then went off for the rest of the season. You, It can be done. It is done. And it's it's something that you have to be able to do. You just have to be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, Steve in the chat says, Utah put everything into this game to come out on top. Even brought in Vince Young, dot, 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 desperation. Vince Young in an Astros cap. Like, how hated does that guy want to be? Bruh. Speaking of, I saw Marcelo in the chat say that, thankfully, the the Padres have tied it up. Yeah. That's that's good. Um, Yeah. I uh, I Think about it. He's been on the sideline for, I believe, four USC games. Um, Played in one, been on the sideline for three as a fan. SC is one in three in those games. Hey, Titans legend, Vince Young. What are you talking about? <laughs> Titans legend. Uh, more more uh, questions that we've uh, that we've started here. Um, the down point always says if you if you take two roughing the pass, passer calls and stack them on top of each other, is that just one terrible call? It's it's two calls. It's two terrible calls. Yes. Well, okay. What if you take a roughing the passer with targeting? Is that two calls? That's two calls, yes, because targeting results in a knee Jackson. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Um, Eric says, what does this team focus on during the bye week? I think right now, more than anything, I know that this is not the fun answer. It's health. Yes. I, I think you've got, you got to get Jordan Anderson healthy. you got to get Eric Country healthy, especially because you know, Raylan Goforth made a couple of big plays tonight. 
But the weakness, I think we can all agree, of USC's defense is that linebacker. Mm-hmm. And Eric Gentry is a guy who can make a lot of plays, but he can't do it all by himself. Shane Lee has been an absolute... Um, Not good what, enough. Uh, what, what, what do you call it? A, a liability in the in the in pass coverage, and you need you need all the bodies you can. You well, need all the healthy bodies you can. So you got to get Gentry back. Eric Gentry is the only difference maker that USC has at linebacker right now. Yeah, and um, I personally would love to see Tuasi Vinamora continue to come in here and earn snaps and and become a difference maker for USC as well. But right now, Eric Gentry is the only difference maker in that linebacker core. Um, and that's a problem if he's not healthy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kaylee Gamer 13 says, hey, did Tui Pelotu get injured? I was at the north end. I thought I saw him go down, but not sure if he came back in. Um, <laughs> there was a moment where he was slow to get up, but I think he did stay in for the rest of the game. Yeah, he went down and then did come back into the game. but. Maybe that maybe he was feeling it. Maybe he was feeling the after effects of it because he didn't look particularly effective. Um, that's yeah. one of my complaints in this game. And and credit to Cam Rising, he is hard. He is hard to get to. He does get the ball out when he needs to. Uh, but uh, no sacks in this game. One tackle for loss in this game. You needed to be more disruptive to stop this uh, this offense. One of the ways that you stop Dalton Kincaid is by being disruptive in the backfield so that Cam Rising finds it more difficult to find Dalton Kincaid. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that USC's defense has has thrived on is creating pressure and forcing mistakes out of quarterbacks, and they really weren't able to to get that done in this game. Yeah, uh, it's one of the areas where SC absolutely has to improve. Cam Lifestyle says, do you think we took too long to put a man right on the head of Kincaid? especially when he was in a tight formation. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it it was a noticeable difference once they just got once they just decided to blanket him and live with the consequences and maybe it doesn't change the outcome but it the defense looked better once they once they did that, once they made that adjustment, or at least once I noticed that they made that adjustment. Uh Gen Z says what happens uh what happens there, bud? Our second best tight end got 250 yards on you. This is from a Ute fan. Uh, yeah, the, the crazy part, we, we talked about it in the preview, that Keithy not being there like was going to be interesting because we knew that Utah likes to rely on their tight ends and that Keithy was the one that we had circled like two years ago as a Mackey candidate. And he was the more athletic guy. He was the guy that you could see lined up all over the field. They could use him on screens. They've used him a million different ways. And yet it was Dalton Kincaid who literally looked like John Mackey himself out there. Hey, just a reminder, guys, um, in the chat, do not bring up Aaron Lowe or Ty Jordan. Yeah. You will be put on timeout. Do not do it. Stop it. Yeah. That, that, uh, that should go without saying. Um, by the way, the I loved that they did instead of a moment of silence. The moment of loudness. Awesome. Moment of loudness is how it always should be done. Yes. Awesome. It, I think making noise is a bigger statement, um, and it's a rallying cry. And if you're a Utah fan, you got to feel good about that. If you're an SC fan, I think you got to sit there and like respect the hell out of that out of that moment for sure. It also prevents any idiot from ruining the situation. Yes. 
Yes. And it, 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 to me, it's, I don't know, there, there are times when moment, moments of silence are, are the way to go. But when, for me, it's being active in, in that support of, of that moment. I just think that's, there's so much more energy involved in that when you're, you're celebrating the life of somebody. I just, I really, really like that. And, and Utah has done an incredible job responding to, to those tragedies and honoring those guys in the way that they have. Um, and, um, and good on that crowd for, for being there and being on top of it. But, um, uh, Pack yeah. Northwest Steve says, "Where is Damani Jackson tonight?" I I, never I didn't saw him see on the him field. once. Yeah. I I again, and it sucks because this is the world that we're in. Um, uh, this is the world that we're in. We don't get the the injury stuff. Uh, but uh, and uh, for the record, in the chat, when we say don't bring those guys up, we mean disrespectfully, and the people who were bringing them up disrespectfully know what they did um damani jackson he could be injured for all we know we don't know he could have not practiced well this week we don't know um it's difficult to say because we don't get the insight on the injury stuff as much as we used to under this staff um so we will keep an eye out on what is said after the game um if maybe there's a tidbit in there but if he played i did not see him a single time yeah i i I never saw him. I never heard anything. Um, the rotation. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's difficult to say that the rotation is the problem. Um, I, I think that collectively on defense, there's so many issues. Uh, there were so many issues in, in not stop getting stops tonight that I have a hard time thinking that one player could have made the difference. Um, I know it's easy with Damani Jackson being the five-star guy that you could, you know, hope that he could be the difference maker. Maybe I, I I I don't know. Uh, Quack Twelve says, as a Duck fan, can we have Travis die back? No, you cannot. He's ours now. <laughs> he's ours. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. He may have had more years with the Ducks, but he's a Trojan. He's already a legend. Can't have him back. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, forever he'll go down as the, as a USC alum. And yes. Will he? So. Can does will Oregon claim him? Because I, I, this is one of the things I've wondered. You look at the you know USC players in the NFL thing. I'm pretty sure that Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart and JT Daniels are not going to be listed there. Brew McCoy, any of those guys, but people who transferred to USC will. Hmm, that's an interesting. Which is it's just kind of weird because like they I don't think SC has ever claimed Malik Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I, we'd I, have to check the the media guide. I am pretty sure he's not listed in there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, JY says, "Who do we need to lose between Oregon, UCLA, and Utah and Oregon?" I okay, so I. Do you need UCLA to beat Oregon? And then No, you know what you need? You need Oregon to win both. And then SC beats UCLA. And then it's SC and Oregon, right? So Assuming you, everyone wins the chop games. Utah has one Pac-12 loss. 
Yes. USC has one Pac-12 loss. Yes. Oregon does Oregon not. does not, and UCLA does not. So USC yes. plays UCLA, so USC beats UCLA, gives them their one Pac-12 loss. Yes. And then if Oregon... Plays UCLA. Beats, UCLA beats Oregon, so they have one they loss. They have one Pac-12 loss, and yes. then it comes down to who's the highest ranked sorry, team. Sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, I screwed that up. No, Oregon wins out. I think that at this point you want Oregon to win out. Because if Oregon wins out and goes 9-0, and they will have beaten UCLA and it will have beaten Utah. They'll give Utah yeah. their second loss, and then SC gives UCLA the second loss. Yes. Yeah, so and Oregon- then if SC goes chalk the rest of the way and Oregon goes chalk the rest of the way too, they would play each other. So Oregon winning out and USC beating UCLA is the simplest way to settle this. Yes. But even if that doesn't happen... There's no way that this thing's going chalk. It's the Pac-12 that's a, it's a cannibalization yes. conference. But let's say all of those teams get to the end with a, a one a, a one loss tie, right? It will come down to the highest ranked teams. And if USC runs the table, which is in that scenario, there's still going to be USC a, will be one of those top two ranked teams. That's just my opinion. Yes, more than likely. Yeah. Um, because the three way um, tiebreaker wouldn't come into effect if Oregon's one of the teams. Because SC doesn't play Oregon. Yeah. If it's SC, UCLA, and Utah, then and it's, it's uh, they beat them and they beat them, um, yeah, then you can sort of figure out how things – the three-way tie could cancel out. Is USC sure. – UCLA is at the Rose Bowl? Yes. Would it matter that USC lost to Utah on the road while I don't, UCLA I don't, beat I don't, Utah? I don't, think that, I don't think that matters. I don't know how this all works. Yeah. Um, yeah, Marcelo says people all of a sudden saying that USC is secretly terrible, like they're suddenly Colorado. They are inconsistent, but they are capable of beating a lot of great teams. Thank you, Marcelo. Yeah, this Utah team isn't a great team, but they're a good team, especially when they're at home. Uh, as we yeah. as we discussed, uh, this this offense is a top ten offense, and this defense, while not as good as they usually are, still formidable, especially when they're at home. Utah is a good team. There's literally no shame to losing to them at well at Rice Eccles. There, there just is not. Um, there's a there's a comment in the chat that the um, the Oregon game for Utah is is at Hudson, and um, yeah, I think that makes it probably more difficult for Utah. Surely, well, yeah, you because but, <laughs> but on top of this, like. I I don't want to just come off as like a this isn't me a Pac-12 homer take. But it's like, isn't it kind of nice that I think there's four teams in the Pac-12 who legitimately could win the conference right now? That, and and while, and I, while I, my head says that UCLA is probably the best team of the four, um, I think that in in a second that could change. And SC could be the best team. And yeah. Utah could be the best team. And Oregon yeah. could be the best team. And like that, that's... That's a good place for the good. conference to be in. And then SC's leaving. So it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Ari Lopez says, bottom line is USC has no defense at all. That's just flat out not true. Well, the USC just- has a flawed defense that can get caught in a situation like this. But this defense has also come to play in many other games this season. They need things to go a certain way. And that means they need to be able to generate pressure. They need to be able to generate sacks. They need to be able to generate turnovers. They weren't able to create chaos in this game, and they were vulnerable as a result. That doesn't mean there is no defense here. 
it means that they had one of those games. And it certainly didn't help that when they made the plays on third down, which are what this bread and butter of this defense has been, is making those plays on third down, they got screwed by penalties. So that's just... Things are never... We go back to this. We've been saying this for years. Things are never as good as they seem or as bad in mm-hmm. the moment. The famous Lou Holtz quote. Yes. And the defense is certainly not a great defense, but they come to play and they are limited in their personnel, but they still come to play and they still make plays and they will help USC win a lot of games. They're not a national title contending defense, but they are certainly a defense that could get USC to the Pac-12 title. And it will come down to whether or not they make the individual plays in that moment to get it done. But in year one, with the personnel available, I do not think this is a bad defense. I think this is exactly what I said this defense would be. Well, they're way better than I thought they would be. But I did warn everybody going into this year that Alex Grinch defense will always have a couple of games where they give up 40 points. That's just yeah, the it, way it's going to be. It, it was a game in which neither team could make a stop. So Yeah. Um, yeah, th- that that happens sometimes. And you need, you need your defense to make a stop. They couldn't do it. USC could not do it. Utah couldn't do it, and that's why they went for two to try to win the game. Uh, so um, uh, Sean says USC um, USC's defense can greatly improve. Utah happened to be the really bad matchup for us. Uh, Alabama gave up fifty two today. It yeah, I yeah I I would say Utah was a really bad matchup for sure. Um, I think that you can hope to contain a really bad matchup to fewer than forty three points still. Um, and they yeah, almost I, did. Like to to their credit, it, this game literally came down to a two point conversion. Like, right? They they almost got the job done. They didn't, and they will need to go back to the drawing board on well, on certain things. You, you know, like confirmation bias is like always pre- prevalent in everything. I, <laughs> SC wins this game on a fourth down stop, not even the two point conversion, but on a fourth down stop. What are we talking about? I, the the chat is blowing up about this defense always comes through when you need it most. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> but like like yeah. oh my god, the red zone defense won SC the game. Like that is absolutely what people are talking about. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's little moments. It's little moments, and uh, sometimes they swing your way, and sometimes they don't. You got to li- live with uh, with either outcome. Yeah, Mar- Marcelo says, "God, I wish I could ban Seven Nation Army from sports." Come on, dude, <laughs> Love it's it. great. Da, 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 da. Okay, we're gonna get a DC. Well, yeah, we're gonna get. Yeah, this is gonna. So we have to comment on it. Um, yeah, so it's um, got a great beat. Seven Nation Army is a Makes song that dance. Um, really, um, you know, gets me hyped for sports. Yes, there we go. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, to to go back to uh, Kai's message about the Dave's Hot Chicken stuff. Uh, he said SC drum meant SC the picture of the SC drum major stabbing the field, but it's chicken. Please, <laughs> please, Mr. Dave's hot. I have so much merch ideas. Um, okay. we got to make this happen. Okay. So when I saw the SC drum, I thought of like, like a, like a drum stick, a like, drum a, like a drum, st- well, like a chicken you drum said stick. That, but then I thought like, uh, they don't have, that's not, that's but they don't have bone and chicken. Yeah. So then it didn't make, make a lot of sense. <laughs> And then, uh, and now that you've added that detail, I'm even more on board. Let's do it. Like, yeah, yeah, we can make this work. Put a yeah. little logo up in the corner there. You know, Dave's hot chicken, all that kind of stuff. It's good. Yeah, 
for sure. Kyle Ray says, where was Alex Grinch's second half adjustments for Kincaid? Yeah, that was a problem. That was a problem. Um, yeah. We didn't have the answer. One of the, one of the things was that the, the I think there was an adjustment at some point in the fourth quarter, or later on when they started to put like Makai Blackman on him. Um, but like I I put on Twitter, like one of the problems was that they were gonna by you know um, volley was gonna be a problem, right? Um, and if they doubled Kincaid, is that gonna open him up? And if they double him, is that gonna open somebody else up? And there was a play on that last drive where they double Kincaid and sort of the one with the, gets the holding penalty that, yeah, you, you end up trying to take away Kincaid um, by, by changing the coverage up on him. But not only do you draw a penalty that way, but you leave a guy open underneath wide open. So this is the, this is the benefit of having a really damn good player and USC with all their, their great wide receivers over the past decades two decades have seen it work in SC's favor. Well, right. And, and isn't that I think in the Notre Dame game a couple of years ago, the Slovis game. Uh, remember that game? They completely took away Michael Pittman. I, I don't think Michael Pittman had like anything like two or three catches, mm-hmm. but it was Amon Ron and Tyler Vaughn's that were wide open all game long. It's goes back to the blanket theory. Well, and and we've seen many an opposing defense literally not have an answer for Drake London, even though literally everyone in the stadium knows the ball is going his way and he's still going to catch it and he's still going to burn you and he's still going to be a menace. And what can you do if you if you don't have the personnel to deal with the player? Sometimes there is no really good answer to deal with the player. So yeah. I'm not saying that that's the case. I think that I would have liked to see Grinch adjust earlier to what Kincaid was doing. Right. But I'm also not stupid and I'm not naive. Who was going to be on Kincaid that was going to reliably stop him? If somebody... Tell no who found Well, yes, thank you. Like, if somebody has the answer there, then I would love to know. But, like, USC is an undersized secondary in the first place. USC's linebackers outside of Eric Gentry can't can't cover either. So I'm right. I'm just not sure well, what the answer was there that was going to be reliably uh present to stop him without turning the game into the Vele show, which it could have come it could have ended up being anyways. So one of the things I, I was thinking about is the you know, we we talked about in the off season could this be the year that that um Kalen Bullock takes a step forward? and improves and to become an All-American. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we saw Talanoa Hufanga take that step forward, it's when he became a different difference maker, just like an absolute difference maker in the game. You just saw it with your eyes. I think we're awaiting that moment still from Kalen Bullock because yes. there could have been a moment in this game where Kalen Bullock decided I w- I'm going to be that guy. Um, And mind you, I'm, I'm I not- mean, he had the interception. <laughs> That yes, wasn't that kind sure. of moment, but I guess. But, but you know yeah. what I mean? And, and I'm not saying that, like, he, you know, I'm, clearly he's not the one calling the defensive coverages and all that stuff um, to put himself out of position to cover Kincaid. But more so that, like, when when you needed someone to step up, it was always Talano Hufanga a couple of years ago. And on defense, SC hasn't had that guy yet outside of Tuli Tuapolotu um, on a consistent basis. Um, Random dudes have stepped up. We've talked about Solomon Bird has stepped up. Uh, Namara stepped up on that third down play, right? But but, but the, instance, the consistency of it 
I would at some point like to see Kalen Bullock step up and, and be that guy, be the All-American safety who comes in to make a couple crazy plays down the stretch. Yes, but for instance, in this game, we didn't see Solomon Bird, and we didn't see Tuli Tupu yeah. to get into the quarterback, and we didn't see um, we, we didn't see the front seven really making those differences. And and I highlighted a, a message from um, from Danny who said that's what scheme is for. It's what blitzes are for. It's what yeah. the DC's job is. It's what Grinch seems incapable of doing. Grinch is very capable of sending a blitz. Grinch is all about sending blitzes and being aggressive. But you get burned when you do that too, and that's part of the problem. They weren't getting home. If you send a blitz and it doesn't get home, you're screwed. That's how, that's how dudes kill you. And the the pass rush wasn't getting home. And part of that was credit to Utah's offensive line for taking care of business and and not letting um, the 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 pass rush get in in Cam uh, Cam Rising's face very quickly. But also Cam Rising was getting the ball out. He was getting he knew where he was going. He was feeling confident in where he was going, and he was right. beating the pressure. That's that's one of the realities of how a game goes. The other team is also trying to beat you. So, yes, I absolutely want to see Grinch have an answer. He's had answers in games before. The fact that he didn't have an answer in this game is a mark against him. I, but you also, sometimes you just need your guys to to perform and get the sack, and they didn't get the sack in this game. They didn't get one. So I'm looking at the stats still. Not only did Kincaid have 15 catches, you know how many targets he had? 15 targets. 15 targets? Yeah. Jeez. Anyways, uh, Chris says, what do you think of Lincoln Riley saying that the officiating was poor, but then saying I'm not going to be the guy who says we lost because of the referees? That's a head coach answer. It's a head coach answer, A. B, if you say that you lost because of the referees, you can't make all those other plays a teaching moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that you you have to – because if you say you lost because of the referees, I think you are preaching that as soon as the call doesn't go your way to not just – you know, have thin, like thick skin and, and shrug it off. Yeah. You want to have thick skin and shrug it off and absolutely pretend that none of that stuff happened. And, and you got to, you know, stay that way. The other thing is, I, yes, with the officiating was poor on both sides at the same time. I, what have I said on, on podcasts all the time? I don't want to just sit here and talk about the referees all the time because like, there's only so much of it you can do. And it just sounds like whining. Yeah. So like, especially when you're the head coach, you, you, yeah. you can only say so much. Just saying that the officiating was poor is all that Lincoln Riley needed to say to acknowledge it. Um, um, you, you, you have to be able to turn the, the eye back on your team and what your team could control and what your team could do better. And your team can't control the refing. So, you never want to um you never want to to focus too much on the refs when you're the head coach. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's gonna we we've gone going on an hour and hour and a half talking about USC and Utah, the Trojans getting the loss 43-42, a one point barn burner at at, at Rice Eccles. Um, it's been a long night, a long game in which everything was revered. Uh, we will be back later on um, to talk about USC and Utah even more on Monday. And then we'll be back on a Wednesday further to talk about USC as a whole in the first seven games of the season. Uh, as always, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to us here on YouTube. 
like the stream as well. It helps grow the show. Uh, we got a message from Bless and Breaks. This is big props to Alicia and Michael for these car casts. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for, for joining us here along live. It's been a blast. And uh, even on a night where USC loses by a point in a heartbreaker, a controversial heartbreaker for, for mm-hmm. I think you can throw that in there as well, but a heartbreaker nonetheless. Um, Lisa, final word. Breathe. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Go to sleep. Wake up in the morning. Have your coffee. Recognize the day and look forward to the next USC football game. On on the bright side, just looking at my phone here. Um, bottom eight. Are uh, you are you gonna Padres make the five worse? Dodgers three? <laughs> it's beautiful. You love bad, bad enough night for a lot of fans in Los Angeles, and uh, you are just here to pile on. Hey, I I was told by Dodger fans that the length of the season didn't matter. It was about the tournament at the end. So <laughs> I'm just talking about the tournament at the end, guys. It's all I'm talking about. I'm just you know, the length of the season does not matter. Um, it's all about the tournament in the end. So here we go. <laughs> uh, and the length of the season for USC certainly matters uh, thus far. Six and one to the Trojans. And they still control their destiny in the Pac-12. <laughs> but uh, we'll end it there. Uh, until then, we will see you. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.